Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. A while back, I was in a mastermind, a true mastermind of colleagues, of best-selling authors who got together to spend some time to share some of our secrets with one another. And Bob Glazer is somebody who was there, who I got a chance to meet, who I really have enjoyed following and learning from and watching here ever since. He is, like me, a practitioner. One of the things I really love is he teaches not so much from theory, but from experience. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's the CEO of a global marketing agency called Acceleration Partners. And they've won a lot of different awards for his actual business. The reason I invited him onto this show is specifically for how he built his personal brand, which is something I don't feel like we've had a lot of people come talk about, which is really through writing. He is a regular columnist for Forbes, for Inc., for Entrepreneur. He really started his brand with something called Friday Forward, which is, a, is very simple. It's a, it's a weekly inspirational newsletter that now reaches over 100,000 people. He is a podcaster, but also... As a writer, he has written several books. He's a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author, four books. And I just think he's a really great example of somebody using writing to leverage his personal brand. So anyways, welcome to the show, Bob Glazer. Thanks, Rory. Uh, excited to be here. So what I just shared about you, I don't even yeah. you know, know how much you know that that's how I kind of view you as an outsider when I look and go, this is what I see about what you have done. Would you say that's an accurate assessment or, or would you say that you built your personal brand based on something else or other, other no, things? I, no, I think totally accurate, sort of by accident. It started within our industry. I always felt like I could communicate clearly in writing and our industry was just devoid of thought leadership. And I started writing stuff that was a little controversial, a little different. Uh, you know, people really resonated you know, with people and our business was strong. And I realized it really set us apart within our industry. And then I, I kind of followed the Cam Harold was a coach and, and Tucker and we, you know, there was no industry book. So we said, look, we're gonna, we're gonna write the definitive book about our industry and how to use it and really lean into that. And then along the way, like how we were growing our business and those words that you were saying around culture and stuff, I, I sort of became passionate about how we were, I thought we had figured out some things and leadership and culture and, and, and started to then take that writing and share it outside. And, 
you know, in articles, you know, byline articles, getting columns, you know, related to the books. And then, as you mentioned, the big thing that sort of blew up really unintentionally was a note that I just started sending to my team every week that was just about getting better, just about sort of some of the core things I believed in and pushing them to this notion of build their capacity. And, and basically it started getting shared outside the company mm-hmm. to the point where I then opened it up. And when I opened it up, all these people were interested in it and it, and it kind of exploded and then turned into two books uh, later on. When you yeah. say industry, you're talking about like marketing agencies. Yeah, that part, was, partner that marketing, the- affiliate marketing, like really about like, the opportunity within our industry, but but we always were trying to do our industry better. But part of the way we did that was build a company that focused on development and leadership and people. And so it became almost these two separate trees of topic. And you know, one of the things that I always say because we work in affiliate marketing, and I see people write a lot of stuff to try to make money, right? I for me Friday, I actually got a lot of questions. I never was clear how it was going to help my business, whether it was going to make any money. Mm-hmm. I was getting really great feedback from people and it made me the next week to say, how can I deliver value to this audience? Cause I'm making a difference for them and not worry about what I was going to get out of it. And probably the best thing I ever did for myself or my business or otherwise, but I didn't have a goal other than to add value to the readers every week. How long did it take you? Like you're at over a hundred thousand subscribers on this, uh, this weekly. Yeah, it probably reaches about 200 now across LinkedIn and a variety of channels each week across in about 60 countries. Okay. And how long has it taken you to ramp to? Five years. And I think like okay. anything I've heard, you've probably heard James Clear, like writing's like it rewards the long game. <laughs> it's a hockey stick of both SEO and, and stuff getting out. You know, it was probably year three to four, I probably added more people than year one to three. This is the thing. Whenever I see anyone looking for the outcome before they put in the work, I kind of think you have to put in the work and and then hope for the outcome. I, I, I've never found a hack to doing that. You know, the hack thing is like, sure, little tips and tricks here are always good, but I've been the same way. It's like no one significant ever hacked their way there. It was value over the long haul. Now, so writing for like Forbes and Entrepreneur yeah. and Inc., right? Those are things that I think really help with credibility and all that. And also search engine optimization and also just reach. Like there's just yeah. flat out people who will find you there that would never find your own. How did you get that? And when did you add that to the mix? And like, how do you even go about getting one of those posts? Yeah, you know, a lot of times a book or something, or it's just a reason to connect with people. And, and I think I had done some work with John Hall and you probably know him and his team. And I, I think they were able to help me. I was actually at a conference when I met the guy. He had been on Friday for, we talked for an hour and he, he handled some of the Forbes columns and was able to get me that column. And then it was when I launched, I think my Elevate book that part of the outreach and some of the PR connected with the leadership writers. They saw what I was writing about, offered a column. And then, you know, it's like anything, once you have one or two, it's much easier to go to the third and say, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do X and Y. I think one of the, the mistakes that I made, I'd learned is, is I think sometimes you just try to create too much new stuff, right? I, I could adapt the Friday forward into an ink article and, and, and do a different angle. I learned to 
take the ink articles and put them on Medium and put them on LinkedIn. Some of the commitments on those things, it used to be pretty high. You know, Inc. wanted you to write weekly and, and, and for free, which is, you know, so, so it's a lot to do. So I focused on syndication more. I focused on bringing something back from two years ago and redoing it again and reaching a new audience. There's always the desire for something, you know, new and shiny, but I, I, I'll bring back like one of my tried and true, you know, New Year's posts into one of my things every two years and it will do just as well or, or better than the first time. You mind sharing with us a little bit about like, do you have a system for how you sequence that? And then also like, I, I know you're saying now that you'll repurpose on more like social. Yeah. Or, or even but- something like LinkedIn or Medium, right? You can bring stuff back as much as you want. Now, were you having to write unique articles for each of these Forbes and entrepreneur and Inc. when you first started yeah, were yeah, those you, all new proprietary like you only see this post here yeah those have to be new but then after two weeks you can take them to LinkedIn you can take them to medium you can take them to other places right and there are even mm-hmm. other places that will syndicate them so you write new for them but I would also have something where Friday Ford was a certain storytelling format but I could take just the core essence of that and and make a a ink article about it that was different, but on the same topic, right? So just in, in terms of trying to leverage, and a lot of times I know I knew the topic resonated, right? But Friday Ford is a storytelling and Forbes and Inc are like a one, two, three. So you need to take it and, you know, you got to shift the, the format a little bit, but there are a couple of places, right? That require that it be new, but I was in the LinkedIn Pulse program early. You know, I have a 305 thousand followers on the newsletter system there. I think it's the number two newsletter. And so obviously that built a little flywheel around, you know, publishing on LinkedIn as as well. I love that. So what is your rhythm now? Like how frequently do you think I have to write a new article? Is it still once a week for Friday forward and then everything kind of emanates from that? Or- yeah, I, I've slowed down the new creation. So right, I write it on Friday Forward. I syndicate on LinkedIn. I will then, you know, if I'm doing an article for Inc. or Forbes that is timely or something I want to write about, I'll then do that. I'll wait the two weeks and I'll put it somewhere else as well. But I've actually slowed down the new because it, it became a lot. And that was easy to do, actually, because it got complicated last year to write about things at certain times, just from April to May to June, you just certain topics you couldn't write about and, you know, didn't want to write about COVID stories every, every week. Right. So also, you know, you start looking at the data and, and, and what works and where do you see impact from and where do you see, you know, the flip side of this sometimes is you can get caught up with, you might have a column somewhere or whatever, and it does nothing for you, right? You got to kind of look after a year to say, look, for the hundred hours I put into this, should I have put them out or should I have created a course or written a book or, or otherwise? So I've tried to really look at the data and what worked and where are people hearing me from. And I'm always sort of culling something every time I, I add something. Yeah. I mean, that's true about anything, right? You could spend that time creating TikTok videos or creating YouTube right. videos or creating whatever. But so at your peak, would you say you were writing like three new articles a week, five new articles a week. I was writing about two to three a week. And it was, it was a lot of work. How long did that go on for? At least a year. At the peak, you're doing two to three new articles a week. For how long were you writing at that frequency? I think about 12 to 18 months to, to, to wow. see if it made a difference. But I, but I had sort of an assembly line. Like I had the ideas, I do the drafts, I have some really good editors behind me and we'd have kind of a bunch in motion. Like I can write really quickly, but, but editing takes me forever. And I have people that can edit really fast. You need a system, I think, behind that in order to do something like that. 
So I agree. So the ideas thing is interesting because I, I have, yeah, I basically write on four topics, all influence. I think of my areas yeah. just influence, but I've got four different topics and each of them, I have a sheet with ideas for posts in each of those yeah. categories. How do you do your drafts? Do you sit in front of a computer and like just type it? Do you talk it out? Do you shoot a video and then transcribe it? Like, I've had two editors I've worked with for years that, you know, at this point, understand me and my writing. So I've actually tried everything except for the video. I've okay. done recording and memos. I will do like a really deep outline where I'll write a couple of things and I'll say what we need right here is a study or a reference to this point. They'll research it and grab it for me. I've tried a bunch of different ways. Honestly, as long as you're comfortable with it, I can get it done fast. It's messy as typos, but I'll just sort of say, look here, I, I got this all out. This is a thing. Can you just, can you clean it up for me? Are these editors like contractors? Are they staff? Are they like, were they provided by somebody else or did you just like find Yeah, I've, I've used outside. I think it takes three to six months to get to somewhere where like someone's editing your stuff and they think it's you. I, I've worked with outside, but I mean, these were staff. So we had a head of content for our business. And then eventually I brought someone on who handled a lot of my personal stuff and writing, mm. you know, was a big part of that. So I think there's two people I've reached that level to. I always, I always joke whether if they could write something and send it back to me and I would think I wrote it because one of the things that I do when I'm getting to work with an editor is I make a lot of comments around their edits. So like one of my things is I never use, have a thing about sort of superlatives, like always or never things that be, can be disproven. So if they ever edit with that word, I will say, I wouldn't use this word, right? Like I, I'll never use always. I don't use never. I actually will try to comment to them and give them some of my isms so that as we edit, you know, it gets, it gets better. We've been doing something with very similar with videos where video editor will be editing. And then it's like, I'll make a comment specific to something I want them to change, but then I'll make a second comment that says About why you want yeah. why this is. And then we add it to a style guide that it's like a list of just, if you're going to edit for me, these things should always be there. I mean, that's interesting, just like the superlatives. And you go, don't ever send me something with a superlative in it. If you are, then that means... <laughs> never send lazy. me something that says never. Yeah. <laughs> never send me something. <laughs> I explain it too. I said, because again, in my writing, I think if you're trying to get to the reader and you say, this never happens. And if someone think, can think of an example where it happens, then you're sort of discredited, right? So I, I'm conscious to never, never say that. So you have this process, you kind of idea that you just sort of like puke it out there in whatever format, and then <laughs> you let the editors do it. And you're just kind of like always running that production cycle. Well, that's what you did for like 12 to 18 months. Yeah, we had one in early, early development, middle development, like late development, right? And they'd be coming back and forth. I mean, if you're doing three articles a week, let's just say, so that means you're doing 12 a month. You do that for 12 months, you got 144 articles. Then basically from that point, you can repurpose and backlog again, switch things around and brush it up. And now you got a stable plus anything. And then, and, and then you, you go to inspired. write a book or something eventually. And you realize that four or five of those articles are key concepts in the chapters of your, of, right. of your book. In fact, I'm doing that for my next book. Now I, I did the outline and I was like, I talked about this concept before I've talked about this concept before. So I'll be able to pull in some of that stuff. Yeah. Plus the data, like what you're saying is going, ah, oh, the readers are really responding to this. It's like, yeah. this needs to be in the book. And you know, you know, the book's going to be a hit 
before you publish it because you already have the data out there of going, I know people love this. Right. I know they love this. Unless you blow the title, which is, you know, what I learned a lot from you on that, on that. Yeah, that's the pain. I mean, it's funny because procrastinating on purpose, that is a lot of what ended up in that book. Those articles appeared on my blog and they're, you know, like the 30 X rule is this, this section that I wrote. And it's like, I never wondered if my Ted talk was going to be a hit because it had all been proven before we messed up the title, which was super painful. In writing and in articles and ink and Forbes push this, the title might matter five times more than what you write. You spend a lot of time on the title. And I saw this in ink it to AB test every title. And you cannot guess sometimes which title will do better. But what they did was they would send out the top 10 articles every month. And there's this travel guy and he's number one, two, three every month. And his his formula is just really clear. So that's where you have to use, you know, Ben Hardy's big on this. You got to use data. And I know for people who are really good writers and purists, they don't like getting into the sort of title and they think it's clickbait. But I always say to people, do you want, you can write the same article and 10 times the amount of people will read it. Everything's going by people really quickly. And they need a reason to read that article that day, that hour, because once it passes, they're not going back to it. Yeah. So let's talk about that because, you know, you're referencing the story of that I shared with y'all about titles and we've, you know, my second book, which is painful, which we share a lot of our, like a lot of our members know that story, but is there anything that you can share that you go, man, this, this works. Like these are general rule of thumbs. Yeah. Actually, can you tell us what should we always do and never do <laughs> as it relates to our titles? Look, I think you got to get uncomfortable with making it a little sensational. Every time they send out the top list, you know, the formula tended to be you referenced a well-known company or name or something. And you said, this is the top reason or what they do or the single thing. Like you see that a lot, but every time I get a list of the top performing articles, those titles are already on top of it. So this is, you know, this is the one thing Michael Jordan did to get ready for games. And here's how it can help you. Like, those titles work. It's coming by your desk. You're like, oh, what's the one thing? And you're not going to get to the one thing until halfway down. Now, I, I don't consider that clickbait at all. I consider clickbait when what you get them into the article is not what the article is about or not. It's a bait like and switch. Bait and switch. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. consider clickbait like something that's a little sexy in terms of you know bringing someone to the topic. But when I get the list, and again, if you're ever in ink, it's fascinating. They send out the top performers this travel guy every month, it's like, you won't believe the one policy change Delta just made their customers love it, right? His title is always something like that. Or United Airlines just made this huge blunder and their customers revolted. And, and you know what, even going through that list, I'm like, what was it? I want to, <laughs> I want to <laughs> learn what it was. So it's very clear that there's some formulas that, that, that work. You know, I really resonate with this though, because it's like, I hate feeling like I'm pandering you're like, I wrote a good article. I wrote a good here's, article. Here's I, I don't want to wrap someone... it in cheap, what feels like cheap wrapping paper. Correct. But when someone, if you get to the why, someone said, what's the point? I want people to read the article because I think it's good. It's not too, and I think it can help them. Well, if right. you can tell me that one approach will get 10 times the people reading it than the other, then I can get comfortable with, you know, why I want to do that. As I said to my editor, sometimes when we're debating titles. This is something that someone in my company said to me, like warm cup of tea titles like don't work. They just don't. Things that sound like, mm. eh, you know, it's a, could check it out. Like, so, so that travel thing, right? The Delta Airlines made this policy and their customers freaked out. You know, if I said like, this is why it's never good for an airline to change, you know, its policies on its customers without notice. Like, 
it's kind of like the warm cup of tea version. Like, like yeah, you know, I, I see it come on. I don't really need to read that. It is if, interesting. If it's not a warm cup of tea, what is it? What would you say it is? I think that formula is like urgent and simplicity, right? That, that's what that formula is. Like it's news. You want to read it now. And by the way, there's a simple takeaway for you. It's always better to have the one thing than the seven things. Here are the seven keys to success in life versus Bill Gates said this is the one thing that made him successful in life. Like, which one are you more likely to read quickly or think you're going to read quickly? Because you're just curious. You might just be like, well, what's that Bill Gates one thing? I can look at that quickly, but then I get pulled into the article. Yeah. So you're saying quality article, be okay with a little sensationalism, or you're just saying that's what works, which I agree with. It's like, whether you like it or not, right. that is what is, that is what people respond to. So, so, so right. I had to, I had to get comfortable with it because the data is really clear. If you ever watched a 16 year old days, their phone, you have three seconds to like, you know, get someone's attention as they're going through. I mean, you know, this from books, I always say to you with books, you can have a great launch and a shitty book, or you can have a great launch and a great book. You can, you can pump a crappy book up at launch and then it will kind of crash afterwards, right? Or, or if you have great content or like Hal Elrod, it's not about the launch, it'll come back. But if you have a really great book, you will do better if you have a great launch and you get the flywheel going. You shouldn't feel bad about trying to sell your great book. If you wrote a piece of crap infomercial book, then you might feel a little dirty about trying to you know, pump it down the book. So this is predicated on that you wrote a good and meaningful article that has value to people. So as long as it's good and meaningful, then wrapping it in a trashy title is no problem. No biggie. Again, <laughs> you said it best. You cannot do it, but but the data will show that you'll get maybe a third of the amount of people on it. And in the algorithmic world, you know, the more people that click and read it earlier, the more it gets shown. If I have the cure for cancer, what good is it if nobody knows that I have it? Right. It's like an artist struggle. And then the data became so clear to me that I became really. So you just data was what convinced you. You're just like it doesn't matter. Just the 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 data tells this is clear. It's a strategic decision I just got to make. Yeah, I want people to read my content and get value from it. So if Mm -hmm. the title makes them more likely to read it, then I'm going to do that. I don't feel like I'm baiting and switching them or trying to goat them into something. I think that's where it gets a bad name. You know, ones that get you into these 25 clicks or whatever. But you're talking about an article on ink that's been edited. Like it's not, it's not selling you, you know, potion or anything like it. It's just content for someone to read. I like this. This is good stuff. Thank you so much for just kind of sharing your process. Bob, where do you want people to go if they want to connect with you or learn more about you and kind of like follow up with your work? At robertglazer.com. So you can get the podcast, Friday Forward books, courses, all the stuff is is right on that page. It's uh, G-L-A-Z-E-R.com. That is awesome. Well, you won't get warm cup of tea titles. You won't get superlatives, but you will get awesome insight and practical stuff. This has been so great, man. I really appreciate you opening up to uh, let us see a little bit behind the curtain of how you've been using the written word to just really build and and grow your personal brand. Thanks for having me, Rory. Uh, It was a great discussion. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it 
to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free lifetime access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com and we will get you set up with free lifetime access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.